Hello and welcome to Unlicensed Entertainment. I'm your host, Carl Entner. Uh, we have a very special episode today. Uh, a former co-host of my old show, Alex Carl Unlicensed Film Reviewers, that's a mouthful, probably why I shortened later, uh, is on the show today. Uh, thank you, Alex, for coming on today. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. You know, it's, we're reunited and it feels so good. I had this whole long thing in my head of like what I was going to say when I introduced the show today. I was going to try something new. But then I realized I didn't write it down, and it completely fell out of my mind. So I was like, here's this great intro. Uh, straight to Alex. It's, a, it's okay. I don't, I don't deserve it. It's fine. Yeah, there we go. Uh, so, yeah, thank you so much for doing this show. Uh, I miss... Of course. I miss uh, doing the show, my old show with you. I miss just seeing people in general. The only way I ever talk to anybody yeah. nowadays since March is through doing the podcast. So uh, thank you for doing this, and good to hear from you. It's good to hear from you too, man. We're all slowly marching to our own death march uh, in some way, shape, or form. I will say, personally, the second half of 2020 has been has been getting better and better while still under this massive cloud of, you know, COVID and everything. But there have definitely been bright spots. Well, yeah, for uh, you, there's been some great stuff. Uh, you have a, another kid coming along the way. You have Dodgers win. Yep. We'll both agree that we're happy with the election results. Yeah, I, I am. It's, it's, he's ab- it's absolutely not the best choice, but it's, no. it's fucking, I'll take it at this yeah, point. No. Like, I voted for Kanye, but I'll, I'll, I'll deal with Biden. I mean, I, I, I don't blame you. Yeah. Like, you're, he speaks you're to my easy, issues. You're an easy fan. Oh, yeah. You're an easy fan, I, for sure. He has that song Smooth, I think? No? Yep. Does he? What, what song? Smooth? I feel like uh, it's something with an S in the title. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, Kanye songs are always, he does legitimately have some good songs, but I'm sure I think that, I think that, it, sorry, it's kind of sad a little bit because I think there is genuinely something like either, either it's a social anxiety or something bigger than that wrong with him. Almost and definitely. Under this gigantic mic- yeah, he's, he's under this gigantic microscope, so that's something I do generally feel bad for him, but there, there's just been some times where he said things. Not even necessarily that he wore, like, a Make America Great Again hat, a hat, but just, like, he generally said some things before, like, how slavery was a choice oh, yeah, at some no. point, and it was just kind of like, oh, okay. No, he's definitely problematic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, the, nothing, like, about, like, I've never, this is weird I'm getting into politics in this show, when this is, I don't do that usually, but, like, I've never been a political person. Like, I never really thought sure. about it that much until 2016. Yeah. And then I was like, yeah. I found myself talking about it all the time. Every day, my wife and I have a discussion about, you won't believe what happened today and what they're doing today. And it's all so messed up. But I'm just looking forward to, not that I'm ever going to turn it off completely like I used to again, because I realize there's so much issues besides the stuff that affects me out there yeah. that I should probably be paying attention to that I was not before 2016. Uh, but it'll be good not to have it every single day. That's the main thing I'm happy about with this, with this election. I was not a Biden fan, but I don't want to talk about about politics anymore as much, and this will be a break from that. Yes, I I fully agree. Like it'll be nice to actually have uh, again whether we can you can debate the merits of him and his policies, but it'll be nice to have a president where the only news you hear is just like oh the president's going to uh, signing this thing as opposed to oh hey we're checking Twitter every day because this fucking lunatic. 
said something horrific again or something stupid. So, I mean, it'll be nice to at least have that. Yeah, definitely. And then, so. you, like, like I said, you have other great things going on this year. You, uh, you have another kid on the way. Congratulations. I'm not sure if I ever said anything I about do. that. Has that been harder so, uh, I, with COVID going on, uh, dealing with the fact that your wife is pregnant and things are much harder than the other time? Uh, you know, in a way, honestly, no. In a way, just because, I mean, we, with my son, um, with my first son, um, we were, um, you know, we were, we tried a home birth. So we're just doing this again. And now, like, the home birth is, like, the cool, like, not the cool thing, but it's kind of the way to go right now, especially because people are just afraid to go to hospitals. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, it would be more, I, I think for me, listen, I'm, I'm a very blessed person because it, it, I, I have, I work in a job where we have thrived during this whole thing because, you know, I, I work at a restaurant. Yeah. I work at a restaurant that does to go very easily. And, you know, we have kind of grown from that. Um, and, and I work in a, I, I work in a great restaurant. Like it's, it's probably the best place I've ever worked for. Um, and, and I feel very lucky and to have what I have. So in a way, yes, it has been a little bit harder, I guess, but in some other ways, um, it, it just kind of feels sane to be honest with you. So at least now it does. Okay. So what you're saying is COVID's not a big deal because it all works out for you. I get it. That's cool. I, what I'm saying is I'm COVID you. is a hoax. Yeah. COVID is a hoax. Uh, well, now that the election's over, people. we don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah, wake up. The election's over, so it's all gone. Uh, wake up, sheeple, and get out of your cell uh, where there's more outside than your little uh, bubble there. Has there been anybody, like, uh, like I used, I, I've had some people that, not people in my regular life, because I feel like I don't, I'm not going to stop being friends with anybody because of this, and that's a, that's a, that's a uh, place of privilege. I understand that. That you could forgive sure. certain things from certain people. I understand people being mad at the other side and not forgiving. I'm 100% on that. But, like, I'm not going to drop any people in my normal life because of this. But there have yeah. been, like, people that I've been a fan of. Like, I used to like Adam Carolla. And I'm starting to wonder if, was he always as bad as he seems to have become during during coronavirus? Because I fucking hate him now. And so, well, like... I Oh, no, sorry, go ahead. So, like, I'm just wondering, have you had anyone that you, like, used to be a fan of that this whole situation has made you go, like, oh, man, they're a piece of shit? Well, I, I, I will say, like, I, I, haven't, I've, I haven't cut out, like, anybody personally in my life. Like, I've, I've unfollowed people on Facebook that I wasn't even that close to begin with because they spouted, like, bullshit. Yeah, and I've unfollowed people, and I've unfollowed people and still are friends, can be friends with people. It's just their online yeah. persona is a bit much. And that's on both sides. Yeah. I've unfollowed liberals oh. who, who do the same thing. I'm not just going like, fuck conservatives or fuck liberals. I'm like, both sides can be a little bit much on, on online. Oh, I fully agree. I think it's the opposite. The extremes on both sides are both extremely problematic and terrible. Like, I fully agree with that. Like, the, the very extreme liberal left can be, I think, in ways, just as bad. As I will never as say just as bad. It just be a bit much for me. Yeah, sure. Okay, maybe not just as bad because we're not talking about Nazis or anything. Yeah. But I, but I do think that they can be. That at times they push things that, like for example, last night. Like I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you saw it or not. I don't know if you did, but I watched the first like forty-five minutes of Saturday Night Live last night because of Dave Chappelle. Okay. Um, 
because I I love Dave Chappelle. I think Dave Chappelle is one of the most one of the best comedians that's ever walked this earth. Okay. Um, and I I thought he was brilliant last night. There was a sketch last night that was so funny involving like Aunt, Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben losing their jobs. <laughs> like it was so funny. Like it was great. But I, and then on Twitter the reaction was mostly positive. But then there were people who were like, "Well, this isn't funny." Like, but and like that's what I don't like. Like. You, if you have your opinion of, I didn't find it funny, fine. But if you, if your opinion is, I didn't find it funny because I was offended because that goes too far, that's why I don't like it because I personally believe comedy has always been that space where you can express yourself and say things that you can't say in other, that you probably can't say in other mediums. Yeah, and, and what you, you and, and, yeah, what people should do if they don't like something, it's just not giving it attention because that's how it should be. You shouldn't be shamed for telling a fucked up joke, it will like shame, like no one should be allowed to watch this. You'd be like, I don't want this anymore. Like I said, Adam Carolla is a perfect example of that. I don't think Adam yeah, Carolla well, should be taken off the air or the podcast waves or whatever the fuck it is, but I don't want to give him my time anymore. Cause I think he's a piece of shit. But if you well, want to listen to him, I, go ahead. What's up? If you oh, want to listen I, to him, yeah, go like ahead. Yo, for sure. But I, I think my biggest thing with Corolla is not necessarily who he, he votes for because I'm sure because he probably did vote for Trump. I generally don't know, but uh, he probably did. But my biggest problem with Corolla and along with other people is that he's one of these fucking guys who, like, he's like, well, you know, we, there's no safe spaces on this podcast. Oh, I know all these triggered people. Oh, yeah, just like, oh my god, like you, like conservative comedians, oh, literally only have one shtick. All of their, like, specials or comedy specials or whatever are literally all titled Triggered or Safe Space or No Safe Space or Snowflake or some bullshit like that because it's because that they only have one bit. I think that's the, the stupidest thing to me, that, like, of the whole thing. That and whenever people use the term sheeple, I have to stop. And he's been using that so much lately. It's ridiculous. Like I don't, I don't listen to him anymore. I haven't listened to him for, since for years, mainly because he said yeah. this person that was really funny on a show that he fired out of nowhere because he didn't like that she wasn't a yes man. And uh, but like you, fo- I still follow him on Twitter and Facebook just to see. I don't want to x out any vo- every voice that disagrees with me because I feel like that's you get stuck in a echo chamber. And I'm like, I don't want to just yeah. get my side. So I follow people like him, and I'm just like. You're so fucking stupid, dude. Stop saying sheeple. <laughs> if you make that argument, I'm not going to listen to you again. It's just you don't have a, you don't have a valid point if you're starting to use sheeple. Because each side yeah. has their flock. You have the people that either follow you and not believe in science. You have the people that follow science. Both are following somebody. There's only two sides to this thing. So each side has a flock. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, especially Corolla. I, I guarantee, like... I bet Corolla has always been that guy. But what, the one thing I will say, and, and we can totally move on after this. But oh, that's I, fine. The one, thing, the, the, the one thing I will say is, like, I think more so, I don't even remember it ever being this bad, like, even under the Obama administration. Like, I, I know that people hated Barack Obama and the right hated Barack Obama, but I, I think... Uh, like, I don't remember even comedians ever coming out or being that bad or, like, conservatives coming out or being that bad. But I think, and look, he's an easy punching bag, and rightfully so, but Donald Trump has caused this, like, really, like, 
he's caused this for like this fanaticism on both sides. Well, he also started overtaken, like just normal, just talking about politics or being. Well, he started off playing. He started off playing really dirty. He started off with a name call and everything like that with every opponent that he had, and it made it much less mature. And then so just gave everyone else like, oh, that's what a politician can do. So everyone rose up to that or went down to his level because that was presidential. Now you could do that. So there was no line anymore of like dignity to go for. So it's just like fuck that shit. I'm gonna go full tilt. And we elected a conspiracy theorist. And so like yeah, it empowered everybody that was a little bit loony. So it's just it's just bad, but yeah, let's uh, let's get off politics. <laughs> the I always say like well, you, you can kind of tell if I'm, I'm liberal by listening to this show, but this has been the most liberal I've been, which is fine. They don't like me. They yeah. all five of them listening can fuck off. Well, to be fair, Carl, like I, I'm telling people this is a po- political show, so okay. I mean, if if we don't have politics on here, I mean, what are we gonna do? All know? right, let's talk tax reform. Uh, <laughs> I thought, uh, next topic, please. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, all right. Let's move on. Let's, uh, well, let's move on to, you have a new podcast. I have, I have not listened to a single second of it, uh, but it's called Quantier. Uh, tell me what that yeah. is. So Quantier is a podcast that I started that um, every, uh, well, it was every week for a little bit, but unfortunately the, the past month has been a little crazy, so I haven't been able to record a lot. But I bring a guest on, I plan on maybe a guest or two, and then I pick a topic um, that I think they would either enjoy or something that they're very knowledgeable on, and we go to the website, tiermaker.com, and we find a list, and then we rank those things in that category. For example, my wife was on the very first episode, she's a diehard musical fan, but instead of just Broadway musicals, I wanted to do movie musicals. So we ranked movie musicals. Uh, I had our for, well, wait, really quickly, uh, for those of you who want to know his wife, his wife was on a few episodes ago, Amanda Herrera. The, the, we talked about her being a psychic yeah. and uh, talked about musicals with her, too. So if you want to check that out, check out a few episodes ago, Amanda Herrera. Sorry, yeah. continue. Um, okay. Herrera. Uh, Herrera. Did I say it weird? Friend, uh, yeah, at, at, at least on my end, again, this, we're, you know, we're connecting through the phone here. I... I I didn't hear the emphasis on Herrera. I just heard Amanda Herrera. Well, I'm I'm very so, drunk uh, right now. You know me. I mean, you are you you have a problem. You're an alcoholic. Oh, most definitely. Uh, but I had our friend Lisa Bryan on. I had her write Legend of Zelda games. I had our uh, Matt. Uh, there's an episode with Matt Thomas that I'm finishing editing that I'm going to put up this week where we ranked fast food chains. Like, um, it's different things like that that I'm that and. and that we rank and we talk about it. And I think what's really fun, what I've discovered is not just like the ranking part of it and kind of the debate part of it, which to be honest, there hasn't been a whole lot of debates through these episodes, but what I've discovered is the fun thing is like the memories that kind of open up from these things, like talking, like, for example, I did an episode with uh, a mutual person that we know through improv where we ranked sandwiches and we went down the line and discovered like, his time working at Arby's in a Minnesota where he would do swing shifts during college and like his experiences there, you know, talking to, you know, our friend Matt and, and like the funny like story about how KFC an hour after he eats it makes him like, like starving hungry. Like it's, it's, it's the interesting stories and kind of history and kind of knowing little things and facts of people and how they grew to love 
those certain things that I, I think it's a really interesting part of it. Well, yeah, and that, that's, the, that's the stuff that I learned. Yeah, because uh, I mean, no one just likes a thing just because they like it. Usually there is like a story or a feeling or something behind that, especially if it's like something you're really into. Uh, there's always a backstory for that or a, a pivotal moment in your life that relates to why that hit you good. Uh, so, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a fantastic I, idea for a podcast. Yeah, thank, thank you. Like, I absolutely want to you, I absolutely want to have you on it. I absolutely know what subject I'm going to do with you. But foreign policy are my top ten favorite uh, people on foreign policy. Uh, well, I was gonna go you, YouTubers because I you and YouTube like I know you're just all about those new YouTubers. Um, smash that like button, everybody. Um, but I, I, I yeah, as you know, I had posted two videos of this podcast to YouTube. I am a young YouTuber now, so I get it. You're an inter- you're an international hit up there with oh, like yeah. PewDiePie and. Uh, Markiplier and you know Carl Leonard, you're right there. We're we are um, almost double digits in views. Holy shit! Yeah. What are you doing talking? To, what are you doing talking to a scrub like me? I don't know. I'm just doing you a favor, trying to get your podcast out there. Well, I, like I know what subject I'm going to do with you, but it's just what specific thing in that subject am I going to do? With you? Oh, yeah. That's the fascinating. I'm, thing. I'm assuming it's something. So, it's going to be along the lines of something to do with Bond because I, I tend to talk about that a little bit. Well, yes, but. Hold on, there's like banging going on upstairs, which I wonder, which what the hell's going on? But anyways, but the thing is, I, I what and I, I'll just be open and honest with you here. Okay. What what route do I take? Do I go villain? Do I go theme songs? Do I go Bond girls? Like there, it's, it's a veritable cornucopia of ways I could go. But I'm trying to think which one would I think would be the best one to really dig and kind of get down to and rip where I think we really would have that potential you know, debate on and where we can really have that fun with that specific topic. Oh yeah. Almost definitely. Yeah. There's, there's so many things to talk about. Uh, I'll be honest. If we do bond girls, I don't know all their names. There's so many girls. There's like three per movie. So I think villains or song are the villains or song are probably the, the go-to that if you want to do something like that, that'll work better. Those would be the ones you feel you could really sink your teeth into, and then we could really just hash it out. Yeah, and but even then, like, I'd say almost songs are better because villains, uh, there are some iconic villains in James Bond, but there are a lot of them that are almost exactly the same. Yeah. So it'd be like, I, I, I could just put all those into like a lump, and then the, the great ones, they stand out to me. I love some of the villains, but like, so many of them are just kind of overweight guys and weird, like, uh, uniforms that look strangely similar that want to destroy the world without any personality. So, okay, can, can I ask you a quick question? Sure. About that, then? What in your mind? I mean, uh, let's. I mean, obviously, there's right the, the writing of the film and the script and whatnot. What in your mind makes or what does make a great Bond villain? Uh, well, they they have to have a little bit more than just they have to have a big personality. Uh, or something to define. Some some of my favorite Bond villains are actually the ones that are the abnormal villains. Like Le Chiffre is my favorite villain. Uh, he's from Casino Royale. Uh, he's yeah. he is not trying to dominate the world. He is scared for his life, and he's doing anything that he can to save himself. In it. And that desperation makes him a little bit more edgy and a little bit more interesting than usual. Uh, if you go back to oh, yeah. uh, to From Russia with Love, the second movie, uh, the big bad guy. Works underneath someone higher than him, but the guy higher than him isn't in the movie much. And he's basically just this guy who's trying to prove himself to an organization that usually doesn't accept his kind because uh, he's not like really 100% one of them. 
and he's more normal and human and intimidating. So it's like, uh, there, there are certain villains that really stand out to me, and then other ones that don't as much. Uh, Sean Bean stands out a lot. He's fantastic. Former Double O, now supervillain. That's fun. So yeah. it's the abnormal ones that really define like a great villain for me. The other ones are just kind of like, they're there for the movie, and they can be great movies, but I'm more interested in how Bond reacts or how the Bond girl goes, or just uh, the, the tone of the movie, because the tones are wildly different. Some are really yeah, goofy, well, sure. some are some are suave and cool, and some are just dark. So they're all over the place. Well, I will say, I think one of the ones that stands out for me, while I do agree, I think, like the Pierce Brosnan era, like, Goldeneye, I think, is, the is, no pun intended, the gold standard of that of that run of film. Yeah. But I, there's some, I really enjoyed Tomorrow Never Dies, and specifically, I really like the villain in that movie. And that is a great villain. That is a great villain because it's, like, he's not using, like, as far as I remember, it's not really, like, maniacal weapons or, like, anything crazy. He's using information. He's using news. He's, like, controlling the narrative of how news gets out and what is supposed to get out. No, he's, start, he's trying to—he's manipulating everybody, starting a war so he can have the exclusive person to find out, like— this is the he he causes bad events to happen and then chooses a narrative on it to start a war so he could be the first person to talk about it. Tomorrow's news today. It's, it's brilliant. I love that. Yeah. That is an underrated oh, movie. I, I put that. I, I don't know which one I like more, Goldeneye or Tomorrow, Tomorrow Never Dies. And Tomorrow Never Dies gets shit on a lot, and I don't know why. That is a great movie. Okay, this might be a preview of our episode. For okay. My podcast. Or we just did Maybe all the good stuff. Well, maybe a controversial take. I don't know. Huh? But I actually prefer the Tomorrow Never Dies theme to Goldeneye. Oh, theme songs? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll easily give you that. Uh, but his best theme song is Roll's Not Enough, which is not a great movie, but a great song. Yeah, Garbage, Shirley Manson, great. Yeah, that's, that's a great song. 100%. 100%. 100%. Oh, okay. All right. Now, see, now I'm feeling the groove of what I want to do with your episode now. And now I love it. Oh. Awesome. Great. All right. Uh, so yeah. go check out Quarantine, everybody. Uh, let's now get into uh, entertainment news. Uh, yes, please. So, okay. Uh, there's a lot of stories. We're just going to see uh, what we have time for before uh, we get bored of this stuff. Uh, so first thing I think is kind of a big story. Uh, I'm not sure if you're a fan of the Fantastic Beasts movies. Do you, have you watched any of those? I have not. Been, well, I mean, I know they're associated with Harry Potter. I've only seen, a hand, like, two or three Harry Potter films, but I have not seen the Fantastic Beasts film. Okay. Well, uh, Johnny Depp uh, is the main villain in that series, and he is now be he, he was asked by Warner Brothers, he said in a statement, he was asked by Warner Brothers to step down from the film, and he has agreed to do that. So Johnny Depp is no longer going to be playing the villain, and that is because of the, the accusations by Amber Heard about him being abusive. So he is now out of the series. I, I, wow, I, I, oh. I guess, yeah, I don't know how, what your opinion is on this thing. I'm a little bit conflicted and this may, might maybe sound like an asshole to some people, but there has been like so many stories that came out about like with recordings of Amber Heard admitting to beating him and, or hitting him at least, and uh, of lying about certain things that have come out that I have listened to so I'm not just like going off of like a, a, a rag or anything like that. It makes you think like maybe there could that I'm not saying he never attacked her or anything like that, but I'm saying that it's a lot more complicated than people are giving it credit for. Cause either side seems to go like, I know for certain that this person's a bad guy. 
And until we know for certain, I think it kind of sucks that the guy's losing the job if we don't know. I'm almost 100% usually, like, believe the woman. But when, like, there's evidence that's contradictory, I go, like, we need to dig into this a little bit more. I, I, I'm 1,000% believe the victim. Like, absolutely. Like, you have to because there are just a lot of shitty men. And yes. a lot of shitty people out there. And I fully admit, when this story first happened, when it first came out, I believe that was like a couple of years, maybe a couple of years ago. Yeah. That this story, maybe a year or two ago when this story first came out, like, I was like, man, fuck, fuck Johnny Depp. Like, what the fuck? Like, that's, that's fucking suck. But then, like, again... The actual, the recordings, some of the recordings came out, some of the, like, the court test, not, I don't know, a court testimony or, like, police reports have come out of, like, actually, like, no, a lot of this was instigated by Amber Heard. Like, and I think that's such, like, I, that's a stigma that I, I think really I want to, or I, I hope people understand it's not something that should be taken lightly or shouldn't be joked about. Like, domestic violence, while a foul, while, it's absolutely heavily men towards women. It can absolutely go the other way. Almost definitely, of yeah. Towards, of women towards men. Women can be just as physically abusive and just as mentally abusive of, of, of you know, to a partner. And it, again, if it is true, and again, I, I don't know. I, I wasn't there. I'm not yeah. Johnny Depp or Amber Heard. I'm not Johnny Depp or Amber Heard. But, it, I mean, may, did Johnny Depp do something? Maybe. I, I, who knows? But, if it's true from what I'm hearing about Amber Heard, like, that's fucked up. Like, why, why does he have to step down because of this? Well, there's just bad news around it, and there's, bad, there's, there's just bad energy around it or whatever. Meanwhile, if Amber Heard, who there's just been just as equally written about or bad about, and the proof is there, it's been one thing if there's no proof. But when there's actual proof that's come, that's come out, why would she still have that role in Aquaman? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, like only he's getting fucked over by this, and I, I, th- I think that's messed up. I, I don't think either one of them should get dropped from any roles right now because the evidence no. isn't there, and be- it will completely. And there's evidence that that supports his narrative, and I'm like, you, like I said, I'm all for the Me Too movement. I am all for get these fuckers who are doing this shit. But when there's evidence that supports the other side, you kind of have to go like. Well, there's proof. And, like, I'm not saying he never yeah. did anything to her, but, like, there's de- there's definitely more gray. It's not cut and dry. So I think it kind of sucks. Yeah. And I'm, I'm saying this uh, as a person who doesn't like him in those movies. I think he's the worst thing in those movies. So if they would have asked him to st- to drop out because he's terrible, I am all for that. But they're not. Yeah. Well, but, and I look, I'll say that, too. Like, I'm not the biggest Johnny Depp guy. I've never really liked a lot of his films. I think... A lot of it so kind of suck, to be honest with you. Doing our podcast, he gave me probably one of the worst films I've ever seen, and then honestly, one of the more disappointing films I ever saw. I mean, let me see so, if I can guess which ones they were. Okay, one of okay. them was uh, Dark Shadows. Thousand percent. And the other one, one was Black Mass. Ever seen? Yes, hundred percent. Because I was so so enthusiastic. So, what's it even called? Black what? Black Mass. Black Mass. I was so excited for that film. I, dude, I remember talking to you, and I was like, "Dude, get ready! Like, he's gonna get the Oscar for this." Yeah, like, it had a great it. trailer, but that was that was a it forgettable was, movie. It was, and like, he was good in it, but I was like, "Huh, that that wasn't great." Like, like, and that, like, 
like, and that just bummed me out. But a part of that was just my own expectations. But, like, I don't think he's that great. Like, he's done good things. Like, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, again, like, whatever if they just dropped him. But if they dropped him specifically because of this, that's, that's a bummer. Yeah. All right, uh, next story. Here's another controversy. And this one, this is kind of an old story, but it got brought up again. It's It, keep, it keeps on coming up in cycles, and every time it's, they act like it's fucking new, but it's not. Okay, so there's a new James Bond movie coming out someday, somewhen, I don't know, uh, called No Time, no Time to Die. In this movie, there's a new 007. James Bond is yep. not 007. It is Lashana Lynch. So there's gonna be a, yep. it's going to be a woman, and oh my God, it's going to be a black woman. Uh, and yeah. people on the internet are freaking the fuck out. And I'm like, they didn't say she's James Bond. She is not the new Bond. She's a new 007. And all these articles are framing it in a certain way to get these people upset. They're going, the new 007 is her. I'm like, but and but they're not saying like, but they're framing it to look like she's a new James Bond in all their article titles. And everyone's freaking out. And here's James Bond at the end of Spectre. If you can make it to the end of Spectre, because that's a shit show of a movie. Uh, retired. He's no longer a, du- a double O agent. So of course they're going to use his number. They're not going right. to like re- retire like they retire jerseys in sports. They're going to assign another double O seven. She's the new double O seven. James Bond's retired. Probably by the end of the movie, he's going to be double O seven again. Or who knows? Maybe this is the end for James Bond. I don't know. And they're going to continue the series another way. Either way, not that big of a deal. It's a fucking movie franchise. I, I, well, now I'm just envisioning like. James Bond, like, suit and number being hung up in, like, the rafters of, like, you know, Buckingham Palace. Like, literally, like... <laughs> yeah, where would they hang that? Uh, and maybe MI6 headquarters? I guess. Like, it would never be seen, but... Well, I mean, no one's supposed uh, to know he's a spy anyway, so it'd be weird if they hung up everyone would see it. Even though he's, like, the most uh, yeah. obvious spy in the history of spies. Uh, uh, I'm James Bond, I'm a spy. Oh, my God, it's James Bond. It was like, yeah, of course, like... Yeah, they, he's a world fa- he's a world famous secret agent. Like they even have said that yeah. at points. It's ridiculous. I well, love that series. Clear, didn't they make it clear in like just you know Royale? Like yeah, hey, we know you here in the Americas. Like like we the, the CIA. Like we know who you are. Like everybody knows who you are. Oh, there's like, a there's a great the scene. Obvious. Casino Royale is my favorite movie of all time, and there's this great scene in that movie where uh, they uh, Ava Green's character Vesper is giving James Bond their cover names. They're supposed to be Mr. Mrs. Somerset, something like that. And he goes into the hotel, and they're supposed to go into names. He goes and he goes like, James Bond. And she goes, why did you do that? He's like, "Uh, they already know who we are. Now they're going to know that we know that they know who we are. So he's like, he doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't care. He knows everyone knows he's a spy. He doesn't care. So fun. Yeah. Uh, Well, okay. Well, not to the actual, like, topic itself. You know, to me, I think this is a problem with, nerd culture itself. Like, and this has been a problem for a super, super long time Oh yeah. nerd cultures within their own specific genre. Like, if you change the slightest thing, if you change anything to a new film or a new project, everybody's fucking up in arms. You're ruining the franchise. How dare you do this to my childhood? And blah, 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 blah. But then, if you do the exact same thing over and over again, then you have those same people writing these articles, doing like, man, is this franchise stale? Why can't they do anything new? Like, it, you, it's literally you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. 
Oh, yeah. You're, you're, like, it's, it, there's no way you can win with that unless you find this incredible medium of doing things where you're like, you just hit, hit it out of the park every single time. I think the closest one, I'm not saying that there wasn't bad things, though that there wasn't bad films, or there wasn't controversy surrounded, but like I can, you can, we can pretty fairly say that the Marvel Cinematic Universe so far has pretty much kind of hit it out of the park. Like they had a beginning, and they kind of stuck the land. Oh yeah, but, but there's still you know, there's still horrible Marvel fans. If you go into a fandom, you're not oh, going to find sure. anything good. All the people that complain about like that go like Black Panther isn't that great a film. Like they have to point out if it's every time it's brought up, or they talk about like. Hey, oh, yeah. Carol, Carol Danvers, why doesn't she smile more? Uh, there's definitely those problematic people. And I'm not saying you have to yeah. think that Black Panther is the greatest film of all time. It's not my favorite Marvel film. I like it a lot. But, like, the fact that they have to interject that into the conversation. Oh, I agree. But I think, I think in a way, we'll kind of take this more a little bit. Like, look, I'm a gigantic sports fan. But, and, like, trust me when I say there are horrific Dodger fans. There are really shitty Laker fans. Uh, but they're shitty fans of a lot of teams. Um, but like, and I think kind of what we're reverting to what we were talking about a little bit earlier in the politics sense of their fans, quote unquote, fans of the left, fans of the right. Like you're, it's it's the toxic fans that really ruin that. But and I think specifically for James Bond, like I, the the thing I don't get and why like why are people up in arms in this is because it's it's not the same guy. Like, it hasn't been the It's not like it's been the same guy since Dr. No. <laughs> like, it, it, this has changed multiple times, like, over many, many, many decades. And I'm sure that there were people who, like, I'm sure that there were people who thought, you know, Pierce Brosnan was like, why the fuck are they getting Pierce Brosnan? Like, why the, why the fuck are they getting that guy? When Daniel Craig was brought on board, I remember that there was this big old thing of, like, oh, they're bringing on a blonde James Bond. James Blonde, I, I know that. Blonde. There's yeah, also a website called Daniel Craig or Daniel Craig is not James Bond.com. Yeah, it, I mean it's it look, it's gonna happen. It's ridiculous. Like to me, like the uh, honestly, like the guy who should have taken over uh, or, or guy or girl, like at this point to me is like it genuinely doesn't matter. Uh, but I was all about Idris Elba possibly taking over that role. Like here's my I think Idris Elba would have been a fucking incredible James Bond. Here's my thing, uh, and I'm going to say if they would have cast him, I would have disagreed with it, but I wouldn't have been like, it wouldn't have been the end of the world for me. My oh, thing is, you would have just been, yeah. my big thing with him is I, I, I have yet to see a project with him where I have been genuinely like impressed. I'm not the biggest Idris okay. Elba fan. I watched three seasons of Luther and quit because I was bored. Uh, I don't think he's the oh, worst ever. Really? I, I, actually think, I actually think Luther's pretty great. A lot of people do. I'm in the minority on there. Uh, but, but, uh, the only thing I'd say is that they should probably reboot it if they're going to change the race, because I feel like, uh, race is very important to a, to a person's identity and to act like it wasn't throughout his entire history is weird. So if they, if they change the race, I'd rather them reboot it. I disagree completely with gender because it then takes away completely what the movies are, which is old fashioned misogynistic guy shit. Like it's a male fantasy movies. Uh, I'm not, yeah. I, I, in a way, I'm surprised James Bond's still around because he's very outdated. I understand that. And if they take it away someday, I'm like, I got a lot of films, so it's not the worst thing in the world. But I feel like that wouldn't work. I would be open to, uh, there's, there's other double O's. I'd be opening it up to opening up the universe. 
but I think I feel like a woman doing the role isn't James Bond. It's just something with the same name. Would it be the worst thing in the world? Yeah. No, I'm not going to pick it or start up a blog about ruin my childhood. But my personal opinion is is that that doesn't make any sense. Sure, and listen, I, I I'm not I'm not one who will tell you like every every time a woman is casted in it, like oh, it automatically makes it better because men are pigs. Like, listen, I I was I fully supported that Ghostbusters, the that female Ghostbusters, and I walked out of that theater and I said. Okay, that's actually pretty good and bad. Like, it was pretty good. Like, it was a B. But then the more I thought about that movie, the more I was like, oh, wait, that movie wasn't good. Like, I did, I, and I ended up not liking it. I wanted to I like the movie. Were. I came in there with an open mind. I didn't like it. Yeah. I don't think it had anything to do with the fact that it was all women. I think it was bad writing. Uh, 1,000%. I think they wasted the talent that they had. Like, yes. in the movie, like, Kate McKinnon, like, one of the jokes is like, oh... I, I, I recorded ghost noises and it's her farting. Like Kate McKinnon like, was the really? worst like, in that movie. <laughs> like, like really? That's what you wrote for Kate McKinnon? And like Leslie Jones. Leslie Jones can be very funny. I've seen Leslie Jones be very funny. But she, the only thing they had for her in that movie was that she was an over-the-top black person. Yeah. That's it. Sassy black That's woman. It was, like, it was a really bad stereotype of a character that we've seen a billion times yeah, before. Like, like, I, I really wanted to like that movie. Like, I was really rooting for it, especially just to put stuff in the face of assholes. But I was like, it wasn't good. Yeah, and even, like, I'm not the biggest Melissa McCarthy fan, but with Paul Feig, I've seen her do good stuff. Because, like, I loved Bridesmaids. I loved, uh, what was it called? I, I think it was called The Spy or I Spy with her. Spy. Spy. Yeah, spy, yeah. That was a great movie. So, like, every once in a while she could do something great. So I had... Hopes because of it was Paul Feig, but uh, no, it's just a terrible movie. But uh, let's get on to the next story. Let's see what we got. Yeah. Okay. Uh, something that's not controversial, just uh, kind of a geeking out. I mean, it's slightly political thing I'm, I'm going to get into. Uh, I'm a fan of AOC. Both my wife and I are both fans of, of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And recently she did a whole uh, Twitch thing uh, where she uh, played yeah. Among Us and did Twitch. And she's talking about doing something like that again. And this is the thing she's talking about makes me even more of a fan of her because I am a Trekkie. She wants to do a debate and she already got um, Kate Mulgrew, who played Captain Janeway from Voyager, to get on this. She wants to do a debate on a Star Trek Voyager episode, like a deep cut Star Trek Voyager episode of the efficacy of decisions they made in this episode. And I think that's fucking awesome. So what it is, uh, not to go too much into it, but I think this is actually a really interesting debate. There's this episode where two characters, Tuvok and Neelix, get combined into one person. And they have characteristics of each one of those characters. And in a way, becomes a whole new person. Like, they don't, they're not two minds stuck in one. It's one mind with both personalities in there. And they, oh, they start okay. thinking, like, they, they, they're find, trying to find a way to split the characters back up into two separate people again. But by the time they get the technology, the, the character is like, I don't want to be split up. I don't want to die so these two people can live. And is it ethical to kill this person to bring that to other people? And she wants to do, yeah. do a debate on that. I think that's fucking interesting. And she already had like a really interesting just online talk with Kate Mulgrew. So I think that's actually an interesting thing to talk about. And it makes me geek out a little bit more about AOC. Uh, yeah, I, I really like AOC. I think she's very like politically leans towards the stuff that I think about. And I think... Uh, 
Um, you know, I, I just think it goes like, I, I don't want to just generalize it, but I think this is very much a kind of thing of like, they're regular people too. Oh yeah, uh, it most definitely like, is. Like, I, I think we forget like people in any kind of a spotlight, whether it be celebrities, actors, sports, you know, whatever, politicians, whatever, like, they love their own shit. Like, yeah. They love their stuff. Like, one of the things I liked about Barack Obama was, like, as a sports fan, like, he always talked about how much he loved the Chicago Bulls, how much he loved the Chicago White Sox. Like, that, that like, made him, that humanized him. Yeah, and, and I'm not going to say like, vote for AOC because she likes Star Trek. That's fucking stupid. But I like the yeah. fact that that she's not trying to act like a, a fucking robot all the time, that she can do these things. And then you see all the people are like, stop talking about Star Trek and get back to work on this. I'm like, everybody's allowed to have time off at the end of the day. She's at her fucking house. She's not on a golf course. You're fine. Yeah. Well, it's not, it, okay. Well, it's not the fact that it's being at a golf course, but it's being at a golf course every weekend when you say you work. Oh yeah. At a golf oh yeah. Course. Oh yeah. No, everyone, everyone, including the president is allowed to take a break. I'm just saying it's a little ridiculous sometimes. Oh, I fully agree. Like, it's, it's crazy. Like, but hey, I think it's super awesome. I think, obviously, Twitch is something that has really kind of, I think it's going to be one of the more defining things of this generation because it, it really is, you know, streamers. Streamers have, be, have been, the exploding thing have been kind of like the next thing from YouTubers. Uh, the streamers are playing games. You know, there's obviously like Ninja and there's a bunch of others out there. But I... Twitch is something that people can connect with and connect to. Like, I think that Ninja played with, like, Drake or something one time. He played Fortnite with Drake, and that was gigantic. I remember I'm reading about that, and I was like, I didn't give a shit. But, like... No, I think a lot uh, of the... Like, the- I didn't- I think a lot of the reason why younger people are more interested in politics right now is because we have people uh, like AOC in there who speak more like... They, they seem to understand the younger people and seem to actually be able to get on the level without seeing patronizing. And that helps get younger people into politics. It, I don't think it's just like, oh, she's on Among Us. I think it's like, oh, she actually is caring about our future and stuff like that. So it gets younger oh. people a little bit more interested than rather than someone who's 70 years old speaking to us who, like, they might have good intentions, but they don't really, they're not affected by the decisions. This is the most political I've ever been on a podcast. Yes, I, you know, I fully agree. I, yeah. No, but, but I'm, I, yeah, I totally agree too. I think, it just, it, it just expands your audience in some way, shape, or form. All right. One more semi-political thing, but this one not from a political person. Uh, Chris Rock recently had a statement that I actually found really interesting. Uh, he spoke out he, about how about civil rights movies. Here's what he said. I hate civil rights movies. Don't get me wrong. I applaud the effort, and they should exist. The problem is they only show the back of the bus and the lunch counter. They actually make racism look very fixable. They don't really get into how dysfunctional relationships were. I think that's interesting because it's 100% true. Like every uh, civil rights movie has like a happy ending. And really like we haven't finished everything yet. So it's kind of weird that like in movies they make it look like we got there. Everything's fixed. Happy ending. Racism done. Yeah. You know, I think that's so interesting. I hadn't heard that quote yet from Rock. But I think that's, I mean, that's 100% true. Like, I think, you know, it was funny, like, I would think of, like, Remember the Titans. Like, Remember the Titans, how they hated each other because of their skin color, and then all of a sudden, it was one practice, and they turned it around. 
Still a great um, movie. I love like, that movie. I love Remember the Titans. But uh, you're right. I like, oh, yeah, everything is totally okay now. Where, Hidden like, Figures, I, I fucking I, love I, that movie, but she gets a fucking bathroom at, at, in the building, and everything's a-okay. Yeah, and, like, everything's fine. When, like, it's not, like, there's still, like, and, and I think, again, I'm not trying to get too political or get too deep, but, like, there's it's a systemic problem. You're putting... Yes, you won. Something happened here that was good for you, but at the end of the day, there's still a more gigantic issue at hand that's controlling all this. And listen, movies are fantasies. Movies are supposed to be fantasies. Movies are escapism. And if they give you that small victory, whatever it may be, like, that's what people want. Like, people want, like, I am a gigantic, like, and actually, it's funny, I wrote a paper about it for one of my film classes about revenge films. Like, revenge films give us that satisfaction and that joy and that kind of voyeurism and that, you know, kind of role play of us getting revenge on the people, on the things we can't do. Like, or I mean, I, we could go out and kill somebody, but a lot of us don't because we have a moral compass. But, like, for example, like, the, one of the examples I use with Kill Bill, like, you, you get slaughtered and you know, your family gets slaughtered and you get like completely destroyed. And then you, yeah, you know, ideally in real life, you're not going to go through that. You're going to go to therapy. You're going to try to move on with your life, but you're going to have a lot of trauma. Whereas in that film, you, she, the bride goes and just murders everybody and like kills a bunch of people for that, you know, that catharsis, that, um, What's the word I'm looking for? I'm so sorry. That, that word sounded right. Catharsis sounded good to me. Yeah, cathartic. There we go. That cathartic feeling. That's why I think revenge films connect so well with people. But in terms of this, I, I think they have those because you want that happy ending. I mean, for any of those films. Yeah, but and like, I'm not going to say they should stop making those films, but I kind of agree with this point. I feel like it almost is more like these, these civil rights movies are almost more for white people than for anybody yeah. else. Cause in the end it's like, Absolutely. Oh man, look at all the, like, I feel good that I'm not like those white people from way back when we're good. Now look yeah. at us. We helped out the black people. We are so fucking good. And it's like, well, the black yeah. people, all they get is like, Oh yay. They got, I'm, I've still got racism all the fucking time, but yeah, things are slightly better than back then. Well, I'll tell you, I think a movie that actually handles it really well, that has a really bad ending. Uh, that deals with race is there's a film called Fruitvale Station. Okay. Michael B. Jordan. Um, where it's based on a true story about this about this black guy who was killed on like a metro on like a metro like um, like a metro area like a train area by white cops and it was very much like and it was the whole thing of was it a racially motivated shooting and all that and like it's based on a true story and they didn't change the story at the end. They didn't, it wasn't like, oh, well, he survived and, you know, race, you know, the cops in Oakland decided that, you know, racism was not allowed anymore and, you know, and <laughs> in the fucking, in the world, like, no, he dies at the end of that movie. Well, see, that's, not a, very, that's not a civil rights movie, though. That's just a movie about real um, life, like a day in life. I think that's 100% different. I think it's valid and I think it's, a, it, I, it's been on my list of movies to watch for a while, especially because I like the director a lot. Uh, but uh, that's different. That's well, not, that's I, a different I, genre. I understand. I get you. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. My apologies. But yeah, civil rights. Then in that case, yes. Like I, I can't even remember the last like 
civil rights movie that didn't have a happy ending where racism was fixed. Yeah. Like, so I, so I do agree with him in that sense. But again, I think my point is still, the point's still valid where the reason they have those films and they have those endings for this film is you're right. Like you said, which is to make uh, white people feel better, but then also too, for any audience watching it to at least give them that like, Hey, you suffered through this. You experienced what it was like to be that person. But now we're going to give you that happy end. Yeah. Whereas cause if they give them, if they give them that bad ending, people are just going to be like, well, that was fucking terrible and dark and horrific. No, I don't think there's a, there's like a 100% perfect way to do these kind of movies. I don't, I'm not even saying get rid of them. Uh, cause I happen to think I happen to like almost every single one that I see. Again, I'm a white guy. Yeah. Uh, but it was it's interesting to hear a different perspective that I never really thought about with that. Like I heard everyone the backlash on like Green Book, but I didn't really think about how, like all the movies. Oh yeah, you know I never saw that movie, so I don't really have an opinion on it. I, I know that it's supposed to be like a that people who don't like it because it's supposed to be like a white savior movie, but I, I don't know. I never saw it, so I don't really I don't have an opinion. The, on it. All I have to say is there's a scene where the white driver introduces a black guy to fried chicken. I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. Oh my God. Okay. No, I, I almost not can guarantee that I'm probably never going to see that film. All right. Uh, are you a Michael Bay fan? Michael Bay? Yeah. Your hero, Michael uh, Bay. Oh boy. Current Michael Bay. No, but I, I, now I have to look at everything Michael Bay's done. Because to even think that there's a movie of his that I've well, enjoyed. I fucking love The Rock. I'll give you that. Okay, yes. Okay, yeah. The Rock is great. The Rock is a genuinely great action film. All right. Well, have you seen the trailer for his new... I think he's only like a like a producer on it. Have you seen the trailer for Songbird? I've not. I've heard of it, but I have not seen it. Okay. This is a movie that takes place in the near future. COVID-23 is ravaging the world and everybody's in lockdown in their homes. But then like someone gets into a person's house who has COVID and the police fucking round people up and shoot people. They get COVID. And it's a horror story about the near future of COVID-23. And I saw the trailer. I was like, who the fuck wants this? Like we are all still in lockdown and it's so exploitive. And people, I've seen people go online going like, well, during world war two, they made movies about World War II. It's like, yeah, those were propaganda films. There's no like, there's no like good thing that could come from a COVID movie, like no patriotism or anything like that. It's just like, oh wow, we're gonna be still suffering in three years. It's exploitive. It makes me sick that they made this movie. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's real dumb. That's real dumb. <laughs> that's stupid. Like Michael Bay to me hasn't done a good movie in a long time. But also too, like at the end of the day, like. Uh, these movies are going to be made years from now, whenever everything, I guess, quote unquote, goes back to normal, end quote. But these movies are going to be made. Like, nobody thought movies were going to be made about 9-11. And they're absolutely movies made about 9-11. Yeah, some of too soon, but there, yeah. Yeah, there are movies that were made that had nothing to do with 9-11, and then all of a sudden at the end, it's about 9-11. Like, it's really weird. <laughs> um, um, but it's, Look, it's the hot thing. It's the thing that people want to talk about. Anytime something, a real world thing happens, I, you can guarantee 
there's going to be a movie or two about it. Oh, yeah. I get that. But, like, while it's still going on, seems stupid to me. And I'm in agreement with that, with even with not just this. Like, there was a movie came out recently, or a made-for-TV movie came out recently, uh, starring Brendan Gleeson, who was an actor I love. That was about Donald Trump in The Office. And I'm like, we're still living through that. I don't think you should have, like, a, a anything come out about what you're currently living through in, like, the big sense. It seems exploitative. It seems like maybe we won't know all the facts. It just seems like, to me, a bad idea. Wait a little bit. Let history uh, be defined on what it actually is, get all the facts, and then go and do the story about it. Yeah. No, I agree. Look, I, I Michael Bay sucks. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's made a good movie. He hasn't made a good movie in a really long time. So, what a shock. Michael Bay's going to make a shitty film. <laughs> All right. So, uh, nah. I think I should do one more story. I've been debating on if I should do this one or not, but I feel like since we talked about Bond so much, maybe you should. Since my last yeah. podcast, Sean Connery has passed away. And a lot of people, uh, like, I got condolence texts on that, on that day because people <laughs> were so worried about me and how I'd react to this. And I'm going to say something that might surprise a lot of people, and I'm not trying to be a horrible person by saying this. I was not upset at all. I think it's it's always sad. I heard he had dementia, and that, that is always 100% sad. But the thing I had is, and I know he's from a different time, but he was very open about the fact that he thinks he would, thought it was perfectly fine to slap a woman to put her in her place. That uh, when, yeah. he, when he was going to write his autobiography, one of his ex-wives is like, if you do that, I'm going to say some shit about you. I'm going to release some truths about you that you were not going to like. So he turned his autobiography into a book about Scotland. Uh, I think he was a terrific actor, a flawed human being, and a product of his time. He never really adapted to our time, in my opinion. Um, so I'm not sad that he's dead. I'm still a fan of his work because I'm able to separate the, the, the work with the person. But I just can't see myself being sad about a guy who hits women dying. Uh, it's kind of like my opposite of my feelings about Roger Moore. I was not a fan of Roger Moore as an actor, but he was a really great person. Where Sean Connery is kind of the opposite. So to people who are wondering, that's my reaction. That's why I almost wrote nothing on Facebook or any social media the day he died. Because I feel like that's callous to say what I just said. But it's news and this is an entertainment news podcast. And I am bound by my journalistic integrity to talk about this. Well, God bless you, sir. You're doing the Lord's work. Oh, yeah, it has to be well, done. I think that, I, well, I think that brings up, I mean, we don't have to go into full discussion here, but I think that brings up a topic that I think is a really kind of volatile topic to talk about. But can you separate the artist from the art? Um, you know, like, a, a, my, an own personal example, uh, I'm a diehard wrestling fan. I love wrestling. My favorite wrestler of all time is Stone Cold Steve Austin. But... It's very clear that Stone Cold Steve Austin was a domestic abuser at some point. Was uh, was at some point in his life, and I'm not. I don't know if he still is. Maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. But it's hard for me. I love his podcast. I love watching videos on him. But that's still hard for me to overcome because it's just like I think hitting women is one of the most disgusting things you can do. It just makes you a gigantic piece of shit. Like. Um, so I, I I don't know I think that's really that's such a I think that's such a fascinating and interesting topic to get into for any kind of artist or any kind of person that oh, yeah. that is worship. 
I don't think it's so as, I, as I, black I and white as a lot of people put it as, because a lot of people go like, of course, or of course not. I feel like sometimes it depends on the thing for me. Like it, it's getting harder and harder for me to like, to enjoy anything with Mel Gibson because I just fucking hate him, but he's made one of the best movies ever made, which is Braveheart. So it's like, it's no. hard for me to go like, I don't hate that movie. I liked that before I knew he was a piece of shit. So I, 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 I separate it there, but then I'm like, why do we keep on giving him work now? So I, I don't know. It's, it's really hard to, to 100% say what's right or what's wrong. I think you need to go on what you feel. And I don't think you're a bad person for that, but you do have to acknowledge that there's the wrong things. I've stopped watching Woody Allen films because I've known he's a problem, been a problem my entire life, but it's just because in the day and age that we live in, I'm more uh, in tune with how problematic it is. It's not like something dawning on me, but I'm just in tune of how, how problematic it is. And it's getting harder and harder to enjoy his work, even though he's made movies that I love. So it's like, it's, it's confusing. It's not clear cut at all. I, 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 I'm going to say this and I genuinely don't know if I ever have, I don't know if I've ever seen a Woody Allen film. I think I've seen, he's like the, the person I've seen the second, I, I've counted uh, up movies of, of actors that I've seen their, a lot of their films to see who the actor is that I've most seen the most from. Robin Williams is the guy I've seen the most films of and Woody Allen is number two. I'm literally looking at his like filmography Nope. <clears throat> Never seen a Woody Adams. Don't watch Manhattan, the one about him dating an underage girl. That, that hasn't aged well. Oh, boy. Like, uh, yikes. Yikes and a half. <laughs> that's, that's, that's as best as I can put it. Yikes. And then you get, like, Roman Polanski. He made Chinatown, which is a fantastic movie. But he is probably the worst person that we talked about today. Because, uh, you know, getting away with rape of a young, your age girl. That's disgusting. So it's like... Uh, yeah. I don't know. It, it, yeah, it, it, it's like, I, again, I, I, the only thing I can think of right now is the sports analogy, but um, there are incredibly, like, Hall of Fame players in any sport that were racist, that were racist, that were abusers. Yeah. Like, it's hard. It, it's hard to think about that person without the act. And I, I think that, that's tough. Like, uh, oh, I, I, oh, I'll go back to wrestling again. But Chris Benoit. For those who don't know, Chris Benoit was a, this, a guy who was a wrestler for many, many years, like renownedly known as one of the best technical wrestlers in the world, like legendary at, at his position. But now he's mainly known as the guy who killed his wife and son and then committed suicide. And like, it's, it's hard and rightfully so for people to detach that. Like, I know that is obviously the very... Yeah, like a horrific act. I don't think but, I'd be able to, I don't think I'd be able to separate that. But it, you're right. But it's a very interesting thing because it's hard for me to separate that. But I've gone back and watched Chris Benoit matches, and just from a pure in the ring aspect of it, it's like, man, fuck, that was really good. That guy was great. But then it's immediately like, huh, like, huh. and it, it just goes more into like you know, Roy Rage and CCE and brain damage. Anyways, we, we can talk about this forever, but right. I, I, let's just, let's just, I, I, always, the, I let's, always thought that was a really fascinating topic oh yeah. to talk about. Let's just agree. We're terrible people that like to watch terrible people. Oh, I'm horrific. I'm a very bad person. <laughs> so yes. 
All right. Uh, so let's get into the next topic on the show. Uh, I have this recurring segment called House is a Classic, where I take on a, okay. either a popular or a classic film that I think is a piece of shit, and okay. I break down why I think it is. Now, usually, okay. I just pick something uh, random that I saw. This time, I chose to, to take aim at something that you love. Like, I had you on the show. What? Me, personally? Oh, that I you love? love. That you love. I, I thought oh, it'd be fun to ta- do that. And because we'll actually have someone defending it. Uh, I saw okay. this movie because of you. Because you say it is oh. a great movie. You recommend it. I'm doing Christmas movies because, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, don't follow me on Facebook, uh, the page on Facebook. I'm taking December off, so we're doing our next two shows, our Christmas films, uh, Christmas okay. shows, and then I'm off. So I chose a Christmas movie that you fucking love, that I watched first time because of you, and then I watched again last night because I ha- it's been so long since I saw it, but the, the, this movie has stayed in my mind as one of my least favorite Christmas movies for years. And that I'm movie so is... That movie so is Love Actually, directed oh. by Richard Curtis, written by Richard Curtis. Ah. He made one of my favorite movies of all time, which is About Time. Uh, so I'm not like, I'm not going in there as a pure hater. This cast is fantastic. We got Emma Thompson, That's Liam Neeson, right. Colin Firth. Uh, we got Martin Freeman, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Andrew Bill Lincoln, in it. Bill Nighy, who I love, uh, Kira Knightley, like uh, Emma. Th- I think I already said her. Laura Linney, who made one of my favorite TV shows, and not enough people have watched. If you get a chance, watch The Big C. Alan Rickman, R.I.P. Uh, it's it's, it's a perfect film. So it's a perfect play. cast. A perfect okay, this movie pisses me off. For one thing, if you have you okay. watched have you watched it recently? Uh, I think the last time I saw it was last year. Okay, this movie is terrible for the Me Too era. There is so much inappropriate behavior. <laughs> Hugh Grant is the prime fucking minister, and he's going after someone who works in his cabinet underneath him. And she's like 20 years younger than him. And by the way, this girl's beautiful and everyone talks about how fat she is, which again is problematic. Oh, dude. She is, oh, uh, yeah, she's, I love her. I, I have such a crush on that girl. Okay, so that's, my, again, remember this movie takes place in five weeks. So, so much shit happens in five yeah. weeks that is ridiculous. Let's go into Colin yeah. Firth. Colin Firth, in the first five weeks, finds out that his, first, of the fi- first week of the five weeks, Finds out that his girlfriend or wife, someone that he's been with for years, is cheating on him with like a friend or his brother, I think it is. During that time, yeah. he goes to college. Again, falls for someone that is working for him underneath him. Which again, Me Too movement. Who doesn't speak any fucking English. So they spend this time in his weird romance where she likes him and he likes her, but they've never had a conversation. She's just hot and she finds him hot. And that's all there is to it. And he sees her in her underwear when she goes to save his papers. Which, by the way, that scene where he's writing his book, he's, a, he's an author, he's writing his book at the lake, whether it's windy, and he's holding down his papers with his mug and shit like that. Before the, anything happened, that scene, I was like, this is a terrible place to write. Why would anyone write here with paper? Sure, a, a laptop would be fine, but he's got a fucking typewriter. This is stupid. Well, and then like five seconds later, she well, comes by, takes off his, his, his mug to replace it, and all his papers fly into the lake. It's like, of course it happened. You want to defend well, that? Well, like, he was trying to get inspired, though. Like, then, then have a laptop. It was 2003. He was, he was so heartbroken. 
But, like, he didn't want to use a laptop. He wanted to use, you know, old-school technology to be inspired, to be, like, relish that. And that's a beautiful ending to that specific art. They both learn each other's language. Okay, let me explain so that. that way they can... Because I hated this. Their story was the one that made me the most mad. I should have saved this one for last. Because, okay, they'd they'd be in scenes and he'd be like, my favorite part of the day is when I drive you home. And then she says in her own language, coincidentally, it's the saddest part of my day when you drive me home because then I'm leaving you. And I literally screamed at my screen, oh, come on. It was so stupid. And then... I so, said, oh, come so on, within, together within, That's what I so within five weeks, this is five weeks, he breaks up with his yeah. wife, goes to the cottage, meets a woman, I learns to. Like, okay, you should five weeks. You should still be getting over your wife. You shouldn't be going. To, okay, leaving leaving the wife, going somewhere, falling in love with someone who doesn't speak your language, learning her language. Going over to her, having your first conversation be a fucking marriage proposal. It's disgusting. And her dad was just like, oh, you don't want to marry the fat, ugly daughter I had? I'm not making fun of her. His dad really called his daughter fucking fat and ugly. It was yeah. ridiculous. And then you got... I mean, um, why do you hate love? I mean, why do you hate love? I mean, that's my question. Because it's that's a terribly stupid story. Uh, and fucking Hugh Grant, when he gets found out with his girl, it's because he's making out with her behind a school fucking play, which is fucking stupid. Uh, we have Kira Knightley's story. Okay, can we agree that Kira Knightley's story is stupid? Uh, yeah, it's my least favorite. Uh, well, it's one, definitely one of my least favorites of the film. I don't hate it, but yeah, it's one of my least favorites. Okay, Kira Knightley but I will, is... But I will say, but, but the one thing I will say, I related as being a very sad, lonely boy for a super long time and being very pathetic when it came to dating and women. Like, I absolutely related to the fact of one of your friends has the girl that you want. Oh, hey, I think most guys have had that. I understood that. Most guys have had that. I, when I was younger, I've had, before I was married, I've had crushes on on friends' girlfriends. That happens. Of course it happens. Because friends can be dating someone that is an amazing person and good for them. But this story is ridiculous. Because Andrew Lincoln is a terrible human being in this movie. Andrew Lincoln, you first meet him, he's the best man to shoot a tail easier for, so they're, they're close fucking friends, and you, you find out that during the wedding, he had just been recording Kira Knightley, which is fucking creepy as fuck, for a video for his own personal self, that he's probably yeah. jerking off to like crazy, which if, you're, if, oh, you have a, yes. if you have a crush on your friend's girlfriend, you do not take any per- home material home of your friend's girlfriend. That's disgusting. Oh, dude, that guy 100% just like wrecked himself to that video oh most definitely he cut his best friend out of the frame like anytime you get close to a frame it would move so it'd just be on her face that was creepy as hell and it's supposed to be romantic and then the worst thing is the most famous scene in the in the movie is he goes to his friend's house with a bunch of cue cards and and a tape tape player to do this romantic thing for Kira Knightley while she would tell you for is inside, but he's watching sports like some schlub, so of course we don't mind about that. And that's sarcasm, because there's nothing wrong with watching sports. But and then after his whole card, like, hey, I'm not I don't have any ulterior motives, but I just want you to know that I'll love you until I'm old. That's a move. He's like setting up groundwork and like, hey, when you get divorced, I don't care about bros before hoes or whatnot, which I think is an outdated term. 
I am going to go for you and I'm just letting you know I'm available once the divorce comes through. That's what he's doing. He's saying he's not, but that's what he's doing. And then she Whoa. kisses him on the cheek, which if I was Chiwetel Ejiofor and I'd seen the entire thing that he was doing, no more friendship. I don't care how long we've been friends. No more friendship. That's fucking horrible. Well, hold on a second. Well, okay, okay, hold on. Hold on. Okay. The one thing I will say about that, well, again, it's not one of my favorite parts of that film, but one thing I will say is that there is genuine, there is a little bit of closure there. Because after he does that, she doesn't just kiss him on the cheek. Like, they full on kiss kiss. Like, full on. I could have sworn it was on the cheek, but maybe I just edited it from last night. Oh, and you will this movie I, more than I, I do. Yeah, I think they, they full on, like, kiss kiss. Okay. Afterwards, like, he, he says something, something along the lines of, like, That's enough. Okay, that's enough. That's enough. Yeah. So, like, that's him just being like, hey, like, I needed to say this. I have to say this. I You don't like, have to say you know, anything. Oh. The, the most you get to say yeah. is, like, yeah, I'm sorry. I had a crush on you. It's not a big deal. You were with my best friend. Please uh, don't read anything more into this than, than, than you have to. It's not a big deal. That's all you have to fucking say. Well, okay, okay, okay fine. The romantic I, gesture of it, doing the grand gesture... Takes it into a whole nother level and makes him an asshole. Uh, well, I'm not going to go that far. Oh, yes. But, I mean, uh, no, come on. <laughs> He's just a guy who just wants to express himself about the, to the one that got away to the, to, you know, to be like, hey, I can't be, you can't be mine. I can't be yours. But I just want you to know that, like, you know, I, I, you know, that I, that I love you, that you give me this special feeling. But, hey, you're with my best friend now. Like, that's okay. We have this moment. We'll always have that moment. But that's okay. I can move forward now. Like, so, I can live my life knowing, being okay, that, that, that this isn't happening. So if, if so this were going on with your wife, and you just happen to come outside, and you see this happening, you wouldn't be pissed off? You think this is well, okay? I mean, I, I mean, how hot of a guy are we talking to? He, he's, well, I, I, he's... Are we talking he's, Andrew Lincoln, or are we talking some show here? I don't know. It's, it's it's different because like both the guys in this movie are pretty good looking guys. But let's say it's attractive enough that Amanda, it's Amanda's type. Like you're Amanda's type. This is another per, this is another person that's Amanda's type. Well, well, I, I mean, I I, I would definitely make a little bit of a fuss, but I, you know, I I would at least talk to her and be like, hey, what's going on? Then? No, I'm not saying because Keira Knightley, besides a kiss, which I thought was inappropriate, for the most part, didn't do anything wrong. I'm on the side that Andrew Lincoln wasn't wrong. Would you still be friends with this person? Uh, eh, I don't know. I, I think it depends on, again, the level of friendship. If it's just well, this was his, be this was his best friend, so let's go with best friend. Your best friend well, did this. I, I think I would, at the very least, I would talk to them and just kind of see what happened, kind of go from there. Oh, they would be out of my life. It could be my best friend. It could be my brother. It could be whatever. They are out of my life. That is ridiculous. Don't be wrong. I'd, be, I'd be pissed, but I would at least try to figure out what the fuck was going on. Oh, hell no. I, I, well, yeah, sure. I'd go like, what the fuck are you doing? We are doing this romantic gesture to my wife. Because she was his wife at this point. Uh, it, that, that pissed me off. All right, and let's go to another story that really bugged me uh, because I felt like it didn't have a good ending. It's the, the Emma Thompson, Alan Rickman story. And again, it's oh, a, whoa, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I think that's a great end. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll build up to it. 
Okay, so Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson uh, are married, and Alan Rickman, his secretary, is constantly just putting the moves on him, heavy duty, uh, and including in from his fucking wife during a dance at the a work Christmas party, which is fucking yeah. weird to me. And then Alan Rickman does one of the most stupid things I've ever seen in a movie with a guy considering cheating on his wife, which is his, they go to the mall together, and his wife goes like, hold on, just wait here for a few minutes, I'm going to go do something. And he decides this will be the perfect time for me to buy something for my potential mistress. That in itself was stupid to me and frustrating because he's acting like all like all suspenseful, like, oh, my God, hurry up, Rowan Atkinson, while you're wrapping this gift. But I'm like, why would you buy a gift while you're with your wife? Even if she's waiting for like two minutes, that's fucking stupid. If you're going to cheat, if you're going to cheat, do it smart. There will be no, no Rowan Atkinson Talking this house. I didn't say anything about Ron. Me? I didn't say anything bad about Rowan Atkinson. I'm saying about Alan Rickman acting like Rowan Atkinson's ridiculous while Alan Rickman was being ridiculous. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I, I mean, yes, I, I do agree with you, but I think there's something that tells the story of a couple that's just been together for so long, and there's no excitement there. There's no spark. There's no. They're, they're, they just live their lives. They go to work. They take care of the kids. They have each other. That's it. Hey, what do you want to watch tonight? I don't know. What do you want to watch tonight? I don't know. Like, there's nothing there for them. So, I, and I think after a marriage gets stale like that, I think that could potentially happen. Oh, I don't. I don't think. I don't think the cheating story. I don't think the cheating story is the reason why I think it's stupid. That's not why I think it's stupid. I think it's okay. the fact that. Okay, you get to the Christmas, he gives her the, the gift, she realizes she just got a CD instead of the necklace that she found in his pocket that he had bought at the jewelry store that she had seen that he bought. It's the fact that, okay, they get to the point, they're, they're after the school musical, and she finally confronts him about it. And he goes like, I've been such an idiot, and stuff like that. And then the next time you see them, and she's like, she goes and goes to the kid and fuck off with him. Next time you see them, it's a month later, and he's getting back from some trip, and they're all together again, and that's it. Like, there's no there's no closure to it. It's just like, hey, you caught me. Probably not going to cheat again, but we don't know, because we don't really get much closure in there, and that's fucking stupid. Oh, okay. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on a second. Okay. But I actually really like that, because at the very end, you can tell that it's not all perfect. That it's not, that everything hasn't been resolved. You can tell that interaction at the very end, when he comes in through the airport, when he comes back, his kids are happy to see him, but then he gives his wife he gives his wife a kiss on the cheek. But this is very clear that there is a gigantic problem there. There is still a huge division there that they have not worked out. I love the fact you you talk about in a very different way, but we talked about movies earlier that ended up in a nice little bow where everything's all hunky dory. That part did not end up like that. That ended up very that very much like oh, wait a minute, like, something could still happen here. There's, a, there's still a lot of bad feelings and a lot of negative feelings here. Okay. I love the way that ended because it makes you feel like, okay, this isn't perfect. Love isn't perfect. Okay, you know what? I'll, I'll give you that one. I'm still not a big fan of it, but I can see your point of view on there. It's probably the best story in the movie. I'll, maybe I'll give you that. And then I'll give you, okay, I got one more story that stood out to me. By the way, I like okay. Bill Bill Nighy's story was fine, except for I thought it was ridiculous the way he worded. Like, he could have said his, his manager was his best friend, but he said, I love you just because I love actually, and he had to, they had to word it weird. But besides uh, that, Bill Nighy was Bill, fine. The Bill Nighy story fucking shreds. That, that, that was fine. Shreds. That was fine. So I'm not going to get too much into that. Liam Neeson's story was weird for me. 
For one thing, okay, again, this is five fucking weeks. So five weeks. First, is it starts yeah. off with a funeral of his, of his wife. Uh, yep. he's, he's a stepfather to her kid. He's raising the kid. Yep. I don't see anything wrong with yep. that. Stepfathers are just as much dads as, as biological dads if you're there for the kid. Uh, but here's the weird things for me. For one thing, the kid does not talk like kids talk. The way he talks is so fucking weird. It's like an old dude trying to make a, a charming kid, and it came off as so fake and annoying. I hated the way this kid talked. Uh, and he's not worried. He's not really thinking about his mom. He even goes like, I know I should be thinking about my mom, but I'm thinking about this girl at school who I have a huge boner for who happens to be have the same name as my mom, which for me would be a fucking deal breaker. Back in when I used to go to college and never got the degree for anything, I was in a theater class. There was one girl. I, I, I was really bad with names. And I was like, oh, man, this girl's so cute. And I'm so into her. And then I found out she had the same name as my sister. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to back off there because that ruined the entire <laughs> thing for me. And I know this is saying something. But hopefully my sister never listens because she's married to the same guy with the same name as my brother. But like same names as a, as a close family member is a deal breaker for me. If Natasha's name was was the same as my sister's, we would have never gotten together. But <laughs> so that was just fucking creepy to me. And then the kid t- goes from dead dead mother being in love with this girl few weeks later, goes like, you know what? I'm going to learn how to play an instrument and turns into a competent, pretty good drummer in five, less than five weeks to play at a, at a school thing. That's ridiculous. He should not learn drums that fast. Well, but oh, hold on. If you have five weeks to learn one song... You're not going to learn it. Like, I, You're not going to be as competent. Uh, as he is on, doing this like a it's pro. A He's been doing this for years. He's a good drummer now. That's ridiculous. I, I talk to anyone that plays an instrument and they can learn how to play a, a, a song pretty good after five weeks, less than five weeks. They can't. That's ridiculous. Are you studying that same song over and over again? No, you're not going to be I that competent. You, you're not going to be past. You're, you're going to be at the basics at that point. You're not going to. No, that's ridiculous. And then throw in the part, the cliched airport ending, except for with kids, where Liam Neeson, after 9-11, and you know it's after 9-11 because they mentioned 9-11 in the movie is encouraged by his son to run past airport security, getting chased by security guards, so he can tell a girl that's moving away that, hey, I like you. That's ridiculous. Liam Neeson should have the child taken away because that's a horrible thing to do. No, come on. I mean... I was, this is, I was like, this is so fucking dangerous and horrible. What a terrible dad. I was screaming at my TV. No, that was great. He encouraged that kid to not have regrets. Don't have a grip. You know Don't what? Live your life with a what if, you know? As long as you're not breaking any laws. Especially post 9-11 at an airport. You shouldn't be doing that. So, uh, yeah. I mean, that movie's terrible. Uh, I, I mean, again, why do you hate love, Carl? Oh, I, I don't mind love. Like I said, he made a great movie that is a lovely romantic movie called About Time, which I think everybody should check out. But this movie's a piece of shit. I, wow, wow, wow. Yeah. There you go. Oh, wow. I just said that. I, I don't know what to say to you right now. Do you have I, any closing arguments in defense of your terrible movie? I, I can't even look at you right now. All well, I know is because we're on the phone. It's a great Christmas movie, and everybody should watch it. I'll agree it's that it's, and love, love. I'll agree love that love. it is a Christmas movie. So we're we're halfway agree in agreement there. I think that's that's something. It's not the it, it's not the best Christmas movie, but it's great. By the way, when I posted that, uh. I'm going to be uh, breaking down a Christmas movie for this show. So uh, Mark H, fan Mark H, 
that I was going to be doing yep. a Christmas story, which, by the way, is also a Christmas movie I hate. So if this podcast is still around next year, oh. I'll break that one down and why that's a terrible How movie. Christmas story is terrible, but we're not here to talk about uh, that. All right. So uh, something I thought was, would be fun to do. Lots of times I see people do like their top uh, Christmas movies. Yeah. I've never seen anyone talk about their top favorite uh, Christmas TV show episodes. So I thought I'd break uh, that down. I found it really hard to do because I realized I gave us three because at first I was having a hard time coming up with it. But after I started yeah. looking, oh, my God, there's so many great Christmas episodes out there. So it was really hard, but I broke it down into my top three, and then you broke it down to your top three. So let's just uh, go through this list. Uh, Do you want to go first? Do you want me to for the number three choice? Uh, You want to go first. All right. So recently, uh, a couple years ago, I went through the X-Files, and you would not think, and it was the first time I've ever gone through the show, and you would not think this show would have a great Christmas episode, but there was an episode in season six that when I went through it, I was like, oh my God. This episode is going to be a tradition for me. This is a great Christmas episode. And it is season six, episode six, How the Ghost Stole Christmas. And I'm going to just read the synopsis really quick. On Christmas Eve, Mulder and Scully find themselves trapped in a haunted house with two ghosts who are determined to prove just how lonely the holiday can be. So it's basically two ghosts that try to commit, convince people to commit suicide on Christmas. It's full of twists and turns as uh, Lily Tomlin... And Ed Asner playing the ghosts. It's full of twists and turns, and it's funny. It's one of the more funny X-Files episodes. It's genuinely charming. It has a great ending. Uh, I love this episode. If you're looking for TV show episodes to be Christmas traditions, the X-Files, How the Ghosts Stole Christmas, is a great choice. What's your choice? I've, 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 I've never... I haven't seen that episode, but I've heard a lot of people talk about it. One of our mutual friends, Caitlin Lopez, she's a diehard X-Files fan, and she's talked about that episode to me. It's so good. Um... One of my favorite shows of all time, uh, well, three, these three shows that I'm going to mention are three of my favorites, but the one that, um, one that got me through the very beginning of COVID, because I decided to rewatch it, and it gave me a lot of smiles and laughs during a lot of really shitty times, was It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Great show. And uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic show. That show's so fucking good. Still good. Um, like 12, and, 13, 4, I don't know how many seasons we're in. We're in a, we're in a lot of seasons, and it's still fucking good. Yeah. Um, but they have an episode called, it, it, it's a Christmas special, they call A Very Sunny Christmas. Oh yeah, I have the DVD and of just that episode. That episode is so funny. Like, there's genuinely, like, they generally do a, a spoof of, like, of those old uh, Frosty the Snowman, Rudolph the Reindeer cartoons. There's two, inc- so, like, there's two memorable moments of the entire show, I mean, the entire history of the show, which is Charlie sitting on Santa's lap, and then Charlie just quietly going, Do you fuck my mom, Santa? Like, <laughs> completely just losing his mind on Santa. And then there's like this, this other legendary scene of Dean and Dennis at a party, at like an office party, and then but Frank deciding to spy on the office itself, hidden inside a leather couch, and then him just like exiting out of the couch, just completely sweaty and naked. Um, which is like, I remember that I was, um, I was in tears the first time I saw that. If like, you were not going to bring up so, that moment, I was, cause that's my favorite moment. It, it's so good. Like you cannot talk about that episode and not talk about that moment itself. Like it is genuinely fucking so funny. That show's great. And that is absolutely one of my favorite Christmas episodes. That comes in at number three for me. 
Okay. For, so my number two is from the TV show, the U.S. version of The Office. And I, okay. I actually was jumping back and forth because I knew I, I was going to pick an Office episode, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to do the White Elephant Christmas because I can relate to problems with White Elephant with my family. They take it way too That's fucking great, seriously. Yeah. And, or the Benihana Christmas. So I rewatched both of them recently, and I chose season three, uh, episode 10 of, of The Office, of Benihana Christmas. And this is a, a special 45-minute long episode. It is the one where uh, Steve Carell breaks up with, I can't remember her name. I think it's Carol, the person who played his, his wife, real-life wife played, and him dealing with okay. the breakup during Christmas. And he has just so many funny moments of just, uh, of he goes to Benihana's because Ed Helms pushes him to go there. He falls for the waitresses, and he brings them back there. That's but right. he can't tell the yep. waitresses apart. Because they're just two Asian women, it's, it's Michael Scott. So he like puts yeah. marker on one of their arms to be able to tell them apart. And there's all these great weird shenanigans. There's the, there's the fight between uh, Karen and Pam, and then Angela for the uh, the with the uh, two different office Christmas parties, uh, yeah. and like the the rival parties going on, the guilt tripping and stuff like that. We have brownies. We have a karaoke machine. Um, and it's during the time of The Office, which I think is the best time of The Office, which is before Jim and Pam get together, because I feel like the tension's best. And they don't have much interaction in that episode because of their, they're feeling so awkward because Jim is with somebody else, but Pam wants to be with him. It's got all that great tension. Dwight has some amazing moments because he brings in a dead goose, and yep. he's not allowed to bring in dead animals to The Office anymore, which means it has happened before. It's just all around a fantastic episode with a great ending. I, I, I love it so much. The Office had to be on my list. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. All right, what's your uh, number this two? Is very close. This is very close to being on my list. I think it's a great episode. Great choice. Um, I think the best comedy, at least the first, a comedy over the past 20 years to come out, to have the first, at least the first three seasons be top tier. I know what you're talking about. Any comedy is Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. Um, Arrested Development is, it's, the first three seasons are so brilliant and so funny. There's no and seasons after it. I don't know what you're talking about. There's yeah, three seasons. It's, it's, called, it's called Afternoon Delight, the sixth episode of season two, <laughs> where they have the office Christmas party where Joe is the, the, at the company running the office Christmas party, and he's trying to be more likable with his crew, so he's having his team laugh at him more. And but, I mean, but there, there's so many, again, there's just so many scenes, but it's called Afternoon Delight because, Delight because there's a scene where uh, Michael and maybe decide to spend more time together as uncle and niece, and they're at the Christmas party, and they decide to do karaoke, and they decide, decide to sing, do a duet of Afternoon Delight, which is, if you know that song, it is a very inappropriate song for an uncle and niece to sing together. <laughs> and it's just this really awesome, memorable bit, especially with, like, Ron Howard's narration, the bit with Buster spending all the money for Army to play the claw machine and how that plays into the end. And then just the end of the banana, uh, Job just as a banana uh, <laughs> being picked up by the by the claw that Buster's playing. Isn't it recurring? Doesn't somebody else, doesn't somebody else sing Afternoon Delight too? Like there's another inappropriate group that does that. Yes, it's uh, Lindsay and George Michael. This <laughs> party and decide to sing it too, and it, they just at the end, Job's like they're laughing, Michael. They're laughing at me, and then it's always like. And then it plays into the whole thing. And Buster never knew how to gently put stuff down and just throws Job down onto the ground. <laughs> like, it, it 
truly is like one of the absolute highlights of that show. It, it, it's, oh man, I God, I need to go back and watch it again. It's so, so good. I I stopped watching the new seasons because they were terrible. But like the first three, you you just need to watch first three seasons. It ties everything up. It's perfect. By the way, uh, yep. just because uh, I've been watching recently, the girl who plays Maybe has a show on HBO Max called Search Party. Tasha and I are going through that right now. It is a fantastic show. If you haven't seen that, check that out. Yes. All right. Uh, so All my right, sir, what is your number one? My number one, it had to be this. Uh, it's one of my favorite. I brought this up before. It's my one of my favorite Christmas episodes of all time. It's been that way for years. Cause it's an old episode. It is The Simpsons season seven, seven episode eleven. Marge be not proud. This is the one oh, where they're yeah. supposed to have uh, the Christmas picture taken at the try and save. Bart steals Bonesaw, the video game, and gets caught and yep. is not allowed to go back to try and save anymore. And it's really fun. Everything with Bonesaw is so great. Millhouse has it, but won't let Bart play it for some weird reason. And just Millhouse entering his name. Like, this game's amazing. All I did is enter my name. It shows Milho. Uh, but Milho. the thing. No, it shows Milho. There's not enough room on the screen. Oh. It says Milho. Gotcha. Uh, okay. And then, like, uh, one of the things I really like, and this reminds me, there's a similar scene uh, in King of the Hill, not with the Christmas episode, but I really like when uh, when parents, like, team up against their kids, because it shows, like, shows, like, this weird relationship you don't really think about that much. They are in this together. And when Marge yeah. and Homer are teaming up to stop Bart when they think he stole something else, and they're, like, he pens Bart in. Uh, I love that moment for some reason. I don't really know why. I love it so much. And then you find out the Bart didn't steal anything. He bought her a gift, which is just a really heartwarming moment. It's a picture they got taken, yeah. and he fixes the the tilted picture of uh, the family portrait and makes it all right again. And then he gets the golf game from Marge. It's perfect. It's it's such a great. Yeah. It's funny as hell, but it's also really moving and heartwarming. I love that episode so yep. much. Yep, that is. I, it's, you know, I tried to think of a Simpsons one that would be on my list, but I, while I think there are very good ones, it, there was none that really cracked my top three, but that's a, that's a fantastic pick. It's a great pick. I can't argue that. All right. What is your number one, uh, Simpsons, uh, not Simpsons Christmas episode, just Christmas episode in general. So I, I genuinely tried to think of like, can I put any of the other episodes above this one? Cause I wouldn't be like, this is kind of a weird one. I, like this is show, I don't know if the show genuinely holds up, but honestly, I think the show does hold up. And I think this episode does hold up. And I still, remember almost every single beat of this episode okay. and it just stuck with me ever since I first saw it when I was a kid and to this day I watched this episode within the past six months I still laugh my ass off I still love this episode it is genuinely my favorite Christmas episode of any television show it's from Married with Children and it is an episode from season I'll tell you right now Hold on. From season two, it's called You Better Watch Out. Okay. And the concept of the episode is that Al, you know, obviously works with the shoe the sh- the the store. store, comes home, and he's, he's pissed off because there's this big new mall that's taking away customers, and that's taking away, like, money from him. And the, the, but the main plot of the story is that to celebrate this new mall, there's... Um, a Santa, the stunt that they do is that a Santa Claus is going to dive out of an airplane and hand out, like, mall bucks for this new mall. And, you know, the Bundys are there along with Marcy and Steve, 
and they're watching it, and it's a live television, and then they're watching, it's like, oh, there he goes, and he's like, <laughs> eventually, as, as he keeps going, you just see, why is he flapping his arms like that? It's like, hi, his parachute's not opening, and then all of a sudden, like, they hear, like, trees rustle outside in the Bundy backyard, and then all of a sudden, you just see this Santa Claus just, <laughs> just hit the ground, just completely dead, and then the rest of the episode is then dealing with the fact that there's just this dead mall Santa who basically just committed suicide, an intentional suicide into their backyard, and it's and then it leads and like it traumatizes Marcy because she loves Christmas so much and then she just saw Santa die. There's a scene where they get Santa out, they like put him on a gurney and are about to take him out on a stretcher, and then you just hear the bells of like the bells ring every time like they take a step and it just traumatizes Marcy even more. But then it leads to the point where the kid, the neighborhood kids come to the family, come to the Bundy home, and they're like, we want to see Santa, we want to see Santa. And Al has to go out there and pretend to be Santa, and then he's just being a real dick to these kids. Um, and it's like, at one point, and there's, I don't know why, but there's always this line that stuck out to me where he's just like, on Dancer, on Prancer, Donald and Goofy. Like, it was, I don't know why that line always stuck with me and made me laugh so hard. But at the very end, they end up finding the bag with all the mall dollars in it. And they're like, oh, my God, we're rich. We're going to spend all this money. And they thank Al for saving Christmas. <laughs> and then they just go spend all the money. Like, in a way, it's such a, like, a bent, twisted perspective of, like, a happy ending on a family Christmas. It's, it's like, I still laugh every time I see this episode. It's generally so good. I'm laughing just thinking about it right now. Like, uh, I absolutely adore that I don't even remember that one. The only Christmas episode I remembered of Married with Children is the one with Sam Kennison where they do It's Wonderful Life. I don't yeah. I don't remember that like, one that you're talking about. But yeah, I, look, that, I haven't watched a show in so long, so for me it hasn't aged well, but like that, the premise sure. of that episode seems pretty funny. I, I do highly recommend checking it out. I, I'm going to try, I mean, I've already talked about it at length, but like it's not one of the greatest episodes of television of all time, but the concept of that episode I think is, so brilliant. Yeah, that, that's I a may, pretty good concept. And if I may really quickly, can I just give two quick honorable mentions? Oh, sure. Let me do some too. Uh, but you, you feel first. Ahead, oh, okay. The w- one that I really was tempted to put on there, but not many people remember this show, is Christopher Titus' show called Titus. There's this Christmas yeah. episode called Last Noel. And it's basically about, he's going to the funeral of his ex-girlfriend. And everyone's like, his, his current girlfriend's like, why are you going to her funeral? And he keeps on saying like, it's because she was the one for me. She was more important to me than you'll ever be. You find out it's really because she used to beat the shit out of him. And he was embarrassed to talk about that to to his current girlfriend. And like, there's this whole sequence. It's funny, but it's dark where they do like uh, the night before Christmas, but it's all about him being beaten by his ex-girlfriend. I thought that was like really unique because it's, it's a very funny episode, but it's also really dark. And, but it's kind of it's unique and kind of brave for a guy who's kind of like Titus is like a man's man to do a show about a guy getting beaten by by a smaller woman. I thought that was very interesting and brave and new ground on television that I hadn't seen before. It's a great episode. What's that yours? That show was super underrated, by the way. Oh that yeah, that show was great. Oh yeah, most definitely. What's one of yours? Or you could do two. I don't uh, care. What? Uh, I'll, I'll do two really quickly. The Venture Brothers Christmas special. Is I, I recently just went through Venture Brothers right now. That show is absolutely brilliant, especially when you get more into the later seasons. 
But the Christmas episode, very early on, around season one, season two, lays the groundwork for a lot of things that really don't pay off until much later on, in like season six or seven. It's, and that show's just brilliant. I love that. I love that episode. I think it's really, really great. And the one like really heartwarming one that I'll mention that just really that really missed uh, that just missed my top three was Lost. There's an episode called The Constant, which is a technically a Christmas episode, and it's a it's a episode centered around the Desmond character, the guy who's been in the hatch the whole time. Uh-huh. And it's this theory of you know in order to escape the time loop or escape this certain thing, you have to think about the constant. You have to think about one thing in your brain that will keep you grounded and will keep you happy and will be able to get you through this. And he thinks about his girlfriend or his former wife, Penny, his fiance, Penny. And at the very end, near the end of the episode, he finally talks to her for the first time in years because she thinks, she thinks he's dead or he's been lost. Um, and it, it's like, uh, I remember I saw that scene for the first time and I bawled my eyes out. It's genuinely like one of the most like heartwarming and one of the most like touching things I've ever seen on television. That. That will still wreck me to this day. Uh, those are just the two quick shout-outs I wanted to give out. It's hard to think about Lost now because I felt, and I have this problem with every Abrams show uh, pretty much, is that there were it really was amazing television for a time, but his endings are so frustrating, it taints everything else. But there were some great episodes during that series run. Oh, don't get me wrong. I never watched the last couple seasons. Oh, I watched like, every episode. I, I, I watched a couple and I was just like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm out. Like, I was just like, eh, okay, too much. He doesn't stick the landing. J.J. Abrams just cannot stick the land. I've fallen for it three times, and each time, like, why do I keep on doing this? Stop watching his shit. Well, okay, so Alias, Lost, and what was the other one? Fringe. Fringe uh, is the worst. Fringe, Fringe did the worst. Fringe basically was like, uh, uh, you know how all that character development and stuff like that you've seen for the first three seasons? Well, we're going to change the past, and now none of that shit has happened. Wow. And so you basically start off all over again. I'm like, why'd you do this? Why did I invest so much time in something that doesn't really matter? And they don't really, they kind of fix it in like the last two episodes, but you're like pissed off the entire last two seasons because of like, you feel like you wasted time. But watch the entire thing. Yeah, I, I always hate that. I always hate when shows make you feel like you've wasted time. Like, I'm just like, well, okay, why? Why are you doing this? Thanks. All right. Like, I've invested my whole time, but yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much for uh, for doing the show, Alex. Uh, do you want to throw out yeah, uh, yeah, your, your plugs again one more time? Absolutely. Everybody, uh, first of all, listen to this show. The show fucking rules. You already are listening to the show, but tell <laughs> friends about it. Uh, I'm having a blast on it, and I'm sure all those episodes are great, too. Um, but for me personally... Uh, you can find me at AlexRero312 on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, you can uh, find my podcast, Quarantier, Q-U-A-R-A-N-T-I-E-R, on Podbean. I am working on currently getting onto Apple Podcasts and getting a Facebook page for it. But you can also find a wrestling podcast that I do called Two Count Kickout Podcast. Unfortunately, we haven't recorded in a super long time, um, being separated and all being fathers and kind of put the strain on and time on that, but we still plan on doing the show. But it's a show I generally love doing with my two of my dear friends. If you like wrestling, check it out. Really recommend that. And then um, uh, last thing I say is uh, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, definitely agree on that. Uh, so, yeah, uh, people, please like this show on, on Facebook. Please leave reviews on iTunes. Uh, we don't have any yet. And it really helps people decide to, 
to listen to a show if other people like the show and leave reviews. So, like, please help us out there. I know I got a few listeners. Recommend this show. I put a lot of effort into it. I feel like more effort than the live podcasts out there because, like, you look at all these celebrity comedian podcasts and it's just two people talking about whatever for two hours with seemingly no preparation. We're trying. I put a lot of effort into this thing. Please help me out with that. Um, yeah, help, help a brother out. Uh, yeah, and again, so check out Alex's podcast. Help me out. And it, that that's about it. Thank you for listening. And remember, if you want to get entertainment news two weeks after it happens, listen to Unlicensed Entertainment. And I cannot find the mouse to turn this off. There it goes.